I finally clicked the right button. <laughs> I finally clicked the right button. Okay, welcome, welcome, welcome to the non-intuitive bit podcast brought to you by the Leaders Club that you also part two if you are listening to us. But as usual, do consider awaiting your membership status by joining Discord channel. We are actually playing games there, chatting time to time. And today with this, with me in the studio, Dmitry Mananikov. Say hi to people. Hello, hello. And as usual, the most annoying voice would be me, Slava Kowalewski. And with that, I have a show notes, but I forgot where is my window of the Firefox. You really got me with the edit <laughs> music. For, for people who like, it's a kind of insider joke, but Slava just started with a song from, with the music from another podcast yes. he's making. Yes. I didn't really notice like what's, what's wrong. Yes. <laughs> yes, same for me, you know, I just, just got habit and yeah. It's only two songs, I managed to, <laughs> to put the wrong one. It's, uh, okay, okay, uh, so I want uh, to quickly start with one topic that I forgot to close last time. It's a little bit, uh, little bit um, late, but I still want to close on it before starting anything else new. It will be the first one about Silent Hill, because I really forgot to tell everyone about Silent Hill Session. Uh, for everyone who doesn't know, this is a game that they have started uh, based on the Silent Hill universe, and they started it uh, recently on the Halloween, uh, so it actually was out before our previous episodes, uh, and unfortunately, I forgot to cover it. So obviously, I'm a huge fan of Silent Hill, and I played from the day zero. It was, I was there refreshing the browser on the very, very day zero to, to, to see when it started. It started. So the idea of the game, they each day releasing you a very small... A short video and then asking you as a community what to do uh, per character in this video they would ask do, a question do you, mm -hmm. do you play it on the phone or pc or anywhere or it's a web browser anywhere so web browser phones uh, i actually don't know if you can install on the pc or console but web browser plus phones so this is the main platform uh now let me actually try to find it in youtube so tldr it's a horrible piece of garbage like i <laughs> I, I really cannot uh, cannot uh, emphasize this enough. I want to find uh, episode one, for example. Oh, yes, they have something on the YouTube. Uh, okay, ads, because I'm not logging here. But here is a TLDR. Everything is bad. Graphic is bad. So these small episodes have the horrible, horrible graphics, which would be fine if you have a nice plot. The plot is horrible. I watched first several episodes. I don't care about the characters. I don't care what they do. Uh, I don't care about anything. So this is... Uh, yeah, so I'm showing right now the, the graphics. So for the pre-made videos, like Alan Wake 2 is better looking than, than, than what they're showing I here. I'm surprised they just didn't get like real actors to do it. Like It would be even easier, like especially if you're changing on the fly. I agree with you. I actually, you know what? I'm not actually no. I retract my statement because with real actors, if you're changing your fly, you have to have actors available to you for the duration oh, yeah, of like this. You just hire them for a month and, and work with them. But this project is almost for half a year, so. Okay, I guess it makes sense. Yes, I probably also made some assets and some scenes up front. I believe. 
I think so, and especially at the beginning, the lot of stuff that uh, they're showing to you, the genetic, to give you a perspective of the people. Mm-hmm. But the plot is, I don't know, maybe the plot will become become better. Maybe something will, will get better. I don't know. And the worst part, this is purely uh, currency money-sucking tool because really uh, the way how you're supposed to choose with the community, you're voting with virtual money. And as you probably have guessed from this, uh, they obviously selling you this virtual money. <laughs> you you buying? It. Mm-hmm. It's really strange. I thought it's more like advertisement, like marketing piece for bigger Silent Hill games. You know, like just gain some tractions, keep it like in media. It's strange that they choose to monetize it, especially considering like it's probably not a huge money they will get from it. Oh yes, it's really strange, and uh, this is one screen. So the, the, that I'm showing on top of the videos, I give you small puzzlers, and on this screen you have like four or five puzzlers. Majority of them are actually locked behind the season pass. So not only you have to buy currency, you actually can buy season pass. <laughs> it feels a lot of like experiment, you know, like okay, let's try this monetization model to see how it works. What's strange for me is they just you know, use Silent Hill brand for that one, not some no-name game. Or maybe there are some games already that use this and went well. Yes, uh, that's that's indeed strange for me as well. And just look on this, what you see right now on the screen is a puzzle that you need to solve. And <laughs> the graphic in puzzles even worse than the graphic is main game. The puzzles are usually stupid, borderline, horrible from the graphic implementation. It's just, just unbelievable how bad it is. Um, if it would be B-level game, sure, like, like they tried, <laughs> but AAA, it's just, I don't know. I'm so disappointed. I love the franchise, so I'm really disappointed. It's so sad for me. Uh, anyway... Okay, I think the second topic is from you. I think I shared everything about Silent Hill Session. I highly recommend you. I honestly stopped going to the game after second day. The second day was, was the end for me. I never opened the game more than that. That's the right way to do if you don't like it. Why, why to continue? True, but you know, first of all, I really, really love the franchise and I wanted to give it a second chance. Maybe I will try. Maybe I will try, but um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe like a large game that they prepare will be will be good who knows hopefully because it's actually different studios all these projects are done by different studios so i really hope that that's yes you 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 are you are hopefully right okay before jumping the main topic of the day you have one home bridge plugins tell me what is that oh the topic was actually so i have this home setup where i use apple HomeKit to control stuff uh, because it has nice interface, it has built in on, on, on all Apple devices, it's pretty nice. The issue is Apple HomeKit. It has a limited set of devices you can buy and attach to it. Um, for okay. example, like you can attach Google Nest thermostat, like one of the really popular. Another like uh, smart bulbs, like smart devices, all home of the, like home devices. Some of them compatible, some not. Um, and there is a tool called Homebridge, which is essentially ser- server that you run on your Synology or, in, or Raspberry Pi or anything, which does this. It essentially becomes a bridge. It gets some device that's not compatible with the HomeKit, mm-hmm. make us, uh, then provides it, like connect from one side to this device to, and from another side to home, HomeKit. And then you get your device on your HomeKit. For example, mm-hmm. I have a LG TV. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really connect to HomeKit, but I was able to 
to make them through Homebridge. And I, for example, can turn on and off, change channels, and do other stuff on TV from HomeKit. Um, and recently, I needed an interesting feature. So I have uh, these surveillance cameras from Synology mm-hmm. that uh, I want these cameras only work when I'm not at home. Like when I came came to home, they should uh, go to standby mode. When I leave my home, they should be turned on. Okay. And Synology actually provides an application for mobile, which tracks your connection to home Wi-Fi and decides, okay, you're not connected to Wi-Fi, let's turn on cameras. And it works horribly. It doesn't really know are you at home or not if you just turn off Wi-Fi. And plus, if you don't get your phone and just walk with a watch or something, it doesn't really understand. Plus, it have no idea how to work with the multiple people, right? Because with cameras, I want okay. When everyone left home, they should turn on, and when someone get oh, when someone get mm-hmm. back to home, they should turn off. And I wanted to find a plugin between Homebridge and. Uh, for that one, didn't find any nice one, so I decided to write myself, and I was surprised how easy it, it, it is to do. It uses JavaScript API, um, and it's just like really, really like maybe 100 lines of code, most of them, you know, like a comments, spaces, and so on. Uh, but essentially just, you can write an app with uh, like a program which creates a virtual button, and then you can turn on and off. And what's good about like when you have this button, your HomeKit, then you can apply HomeKit automation, which was much more powerful and smarter than, not powerful, but it's very like a smarter on what it's doing, especially people living and coming. Yeah. So yeah, HomeBridge is really nice. It has a lot of plugins and easy to work. So I think it's really, it's pretty much required when you use HomeKit for home automation. Otherwise you will be locked to very few vendors. Nice, nice. I wonder if it's uh, somehow. I probably will see if it's uh, compatible with Simple Safe. Uh, actually, Simple Safe. Why yes, provide any API? Probably. Hopefully, complete Homebridge plugin for Simple Safe Three. Ooh. Okay, so this is effectively someone third party have implemented this, and hopefully oh, yeah. it works. A lot of plugins people just create for you, so you can use them. Got it, got it, got it. Interesting. Uh, to be fair, <laughs> I will probably would be a little bit uh, suspicious, not a suspicion, but I need to do the source code audit to connecting this to, to a security system, home security system. Yeah, it's definitely worth, uh, worth checking, especially if it's like a complex one. Um, but I believe, again, it's if SimpleSafe has a simple API to connect, you can really, like the plugin itself will be very easy. Surprisingly, Homebridge even allows things like cameras to, to, to pipe their videos to HomeKit. For example, I have a ring camera uh, and I, from previous owner and mm-hmm. I don't have like a base station. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want to buy, but apparently I was able to just connect it through Homebridge. It doesn't work very well. There is a significant delay when you start stream. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, you know, like for cameras that didn't work at all and now it works with HomeKit, it's, it's pretty nice. Got it. That's interesting. Uh, I wonder if if Simple Safe also have some exposure for all the devices. If devices that are provided by Simple Safe also have exposure uh, for some sort of APIs, I don't know. It maybe be, it doesn't need to be devices. It can be even their you know like a public API with, uh, if you set up it. Because Homebridge, like what Homebridge does, is essentially like plugin which can connect to API and then provides API for Hogan Kit. And how it's connected doesn't really matter. It depends on plugin to plugin. Got it, got it. 
Okay, okay, uh, makes sense. Anything else about the homebridge that that's that's is that might be uh, not really. We can go the main topic, the main topic of the day, uh, and the main topic is OpenAI Dev Day. They have uh, they have an amazing huge event. OpenAI just shows tons of the new stuff around the ChatGPT. It's probably the biggest event. Uh, I wanted to say of the year, maybe of the year. Um, and, you know, without even jumping on what they have uh, introduced, they they start behaving like they're Google or Apple. So in the beginning, oh, they yeah, have these conferences and other stuff. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Uh, in the beginning, they usually would have this diverse uh, set of people who would tell how they're using ChatGPT for their sake. By the way, my friend, have you watched the invite? Oh, they went. Uh, not really. Really okay. I, I, I read through their uh, like a page, but I, I was hoping you will tell me like most important parts. Mm. Of course, of course. Um, okay, so let's go quickly. Actually, not quickly. Let's just start going one by one. So the first thing that they announced is uh, GPT uh, four Turbo, which has uh, uh, smaller latency, faster. So it's effectively much faster in response on the API side, in obviously in UI side. The second part is actually uh, can uh, process, uh, I think, either two or four times bigger, depends on which uh, there was Wait. two. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this turbo, its latency is lower. Is there any impact on quality or they just make it faster? So this is where we need to be really careful because uh, OpenAI is not that open. <laughs> what I mean mm -hmm. by that, there is theoretically no such thing as GPT-4 or GPT-3.5. It's a product because there is already a lot of discussions that under the hood they're trying to apply some logic. They're trying to figure out which actual model would be more suitable for you to, to answer your question. And in reality, like no one guarantees you that because it's the same model. I remember with GPT-3, I, I think it was the case, right? There was GPT-3 and GPT-3 Turbo, and Turbo yes. was faster, but they say, hey, it may not give you as much as a greatest request, greatest responses. Uh, here, I honestly, I don't remember if they made the same caveat, because yes, with 3.5, there was this caveat, uh, this caveat. I don't think if they made this caveat with, with Turbo, and the reason why I'm not sure, because even in UI, they no longer give you an opportunity to switch to non-Turbo, they just give you Turbo by default. So it looks like they they saying that this is our model now, period. And um, the second, two, two other parts about that specific model. One, they have two or four X bigger contacts. Two or four X because previous model also have two big one and small one. So this time it's two times bigger and realistically it will cover anything you want. 190K tokens is like a book. It's like real, really big book that you can feed to it and it will just work. For many, many cases, more than enough. Um, previous model was not enough to cover our podcast, for example. It was barely uh, barely squeezable into the context. Now I think it will be more than enough to cover our podcast. They mentioned mm -hmm. 300,000 tokens, I think. Hmm. Not the one about 90k, okay, 300,000 tokens, and roughly you can divide by three to understand how many words, roughly. That's very, very rough estimation. So it's minimum the 100,000 of words that you will be able to feed, probably more. Uh, and it's cheaper. So this model that is faster, has bigger context, is much cheaper than a slower, slower context model. 
So that's the third part. They cut the prices drastically. I'm curious, mm-hmm. did they cut it as a, you know, just to take laws to get like ahead of everyone, which probably not the case, or did they actually optimize it so much that it's cheaper now? It's a good point. I honestly do not know. I think it's optimized because realistically, since they are now under Microsoft, this could potentially be a problem with uh, monopoly laws uh, because they will be using money to kill the competitors and then then start start bumping the prices. I don't think it's actually allowed, but I don't know honestly, and like no one knows. So who knows? Um, so. That was the most boring part. <laughs> That's just, you know, they, they started saying, okay, here you go. Now they start, the second part of the event was the most interesting, at least for me. So they have released several parts. Let's start with, with what they call the GPTs. So GPTs is effectively an interesting concept. It's, um, it includes several parts. So it allows you to create your own pre-prompt uh, okay. provided to the GPT and create endpoint that users can use to get the GPT with your pre-prompt embedded. But they obviously will not see. So now in pre-prompt, you can say, oh, you are the logic that enhance uh, tweets. Uh, users will be coming to you to give you a tweet text and you're supposed to enhance it in this and that way. But is it only pre-prompt? So they also have like some additional training on these things? Because pre-prompts looks like many other like websites doing, hey, here's your prompt, just past it and use it. Correct, but uh, so yeah, there is more, but not the training. So there is no training there, it's just purely pre-prompt, but there is several bots. They clearly just killing those sites. So mm-hmm. now, uh, before you had to have a service, like T4Me, right? We have this T4Me.io. This is a very classical example of old way of doing so. You're coming here, you're giving a text, um, a text of your tweet, you're picking up how you want to rephrase it, like Elon Musk or Hannibal Lecter or Kant or whatever, and this will do it. In reality, this service, uh, T4Me.io, is no more than just a proxy in between uh, GPT user that um, uh, that hides from the user super prompt because this super prompt is actually several pages long so you have literally have several pages and this is a, uh, re- this is a modern world secret information this is actual business value right there in that super prompt mm-hmm. so now you can go to gpt and by the way this specific uh, specific service already have its gpt where you can go and you will talk through this super prompt to a gpt without having access to super prompt um, and you will get the same result effectively that's why they mentioned that they killed so many services because majority of the services were building the whole businesses around these proxies uh, that are now dead Um, and uh, this is an interesting part because this is maybe what you mentioned about the training because you can give it access not only to pre-prompt but from to documents you can actually upload to it pdfs you can give it some documents there and uh, I, for example, have converted my UOTP uh, blog, blog post into 300 pages PDF, give it to it and created a GPT that can coach you on UOTP uh, because it has access to the... Mm-hmm. Why? Oh, okay. So, you, okay, I see. You give... Why, why just a like question, why PDF and not just copy-paste your, your text? 
So uh, pre-prompt, so it's, it's effectively have three parts. Part number one, pre-prompt. Pre-prompt is about creating personality. We're saying you are the coach, here's the audience, here is how you should behave, here is how you should uh, ask questions. Then you're giving materials. Materials right now, it's actually only PDF links. Like you are giving PDF docs, and this is material that it should consult when it's answering the questions from the user. So you have personality, you have the materials, and the third part, you can actually attach uh, plugins, what used to be known with the plugins. Mm-hmm. So you can, uh, I just finished migrating my movie detector and it has a plugin with, uh, that preserves in database information about any movie that you have watched. And then if you're asking or recommend me something, I go to that database, uh, loads everything that you have watched before with your comments and recommends you movie based on your previous preferences. Mm-hmm. So this is a third part APIs. I see. Uh, so these are the three things. And when you're providing these three things together, it creates this, your personal chat GPT with a pre-prompt additional secret knowledge that no one else have access to and actions, ability to take actions through the plugins. Here you go. Mm-hmm. That's that's effectively amazing thing. And if we are not speaking about the plugins specifically, if we're only speaking about pre-prompt with personality and uh, secret data, anyone can do it. Like you can literally go in and create it through the wizard without writing a code, zero code. Mm. Okay, so essentially, and it, it will be available for other ChatGPT users. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Today it's already available through the link. So for example, uh, because you have to have a subscription, I will not be able to show how it looks inside, but let me at least uh, send you. So here is a cocktail mixer. This is ideas that um, Dima once, once had. So if you would have be logged in, this stuff allows you to upload the picture of your bar and will tell you cocktails that you can create from so it. They killed our business, which wasn't even started. Dude, I created the GPT. <laughs> so technically we're still in the game, my friend. We're still in the game. <laughs> okay. But yes, they killed one of, uh, one of our, our, our businesses. So... There is several important things to, 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 to mention here. One, uh, oh yes, uh, the, the, what, what you said about discoverability. So yes, this is a link, but so far there is no discoverability. So except this link, there is no way uh, anyone can discover this plugin. Uh, they are planning to release a marketplace where you will be able to share, to finally find, use, rate, and research. So discoverability is coming. But the second part that is quite important, because this is everything hosted on ChatGPT platform, uh, monetization. So they're planning to monetize it to the revenue share. The same how Twitter, X Twitter is doing so today. Um, on the Twitter, if you, ha- if you are the paid subscribed user and you have more than I think 5,000 followers, you can get a revenue share uh, from the revenue that the Twitter got of showing ads on your tweets, you can get okay. percentage of that back. But what uh, do they show advertisement or they use user data or something? No, this is just, uh, this is literally just the idea that if you post something that is popular, there are ads that been shown in usual way under your post. Mm-hmm. So they will share that revenue from those ads that will be showed actually irrespectively. Like if you are not subscriber and you just post something popular. No, I'm not mm-hmm. talking about Twitter. I'm mostly talking about ChatGPT model. 
ChatGPT model is effectively these plugins available at least today only for plus users. Mm, so it's some people use them, they will share some revenue. Exactly. Yes. So if you have a plugin that, yeah. I'm really curious, how, are they doing or when they will start doing it, like to use user input, user prompts to actually make targeted advertisement. Oh man. Because it, it's, it's not different from Google search, right? Like you search for something that Google, then Google chase you with advertisement all over the place. And now this traffic that go, went to Google before now goes to chat GPT. True. Uh, so let me share the idea uh, that's relevant to that. And I would love to hear your feedback on that. So I'm now that I have identification for Movie Maker, actually probably pro planning to create a generalized service that gives a ChatGPT database. So whenever you will be using plugin that created uh, that I have created, that plugin will have access to the same database that can be used by ChatGPT to save or restore any data about you as a user. So Cocktail Mixer theoretically should have access to some of the data from Movie Maker or whatever. It can access the data about you that you obviously provided to ChatGPT in other places when you chatted with that. So now, uh, first of all, all the plugins will obviously be better, better, better about you because they will, they will know more about you and they can revise picture about you. But now the database, the databases effectively have data about people that the people gave to, 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 mm -hmm. to the plugin. And obviously, I'm not going to sell it because currently, as of, as of right now, all my plugins has a privacy that says that I'm not reselling anything, I'm not sharing it, I, I mean, I'm, I'm anonymizing it. But theoretically, in the future, you can convert it and, and for any future users say that, oh, if you want to monetize your data, go here because we already have your data, give us permission, we'll start monetizing and giving you your revenue share. Mm -hmm. Let me shut up on this point. Uh, how do you like the idea? <laughs> Very dystopian. <laughs> but I like it's uh, opt-in. I I always have to like I'm fine with all this advertising and other things if they opt-in. True, but the biggest problem with even opt-in today that imagine that Google would like cookies, right? Cookies become opt-in thing, but you still mm -hmm. cannot monetize it. There is no services where you can where you can say reject cookie, accept cookie, or I accept only if you will pay me. Here, this is exactly the path that would be interesting to discover. That's a uh, part of uh, Black Mirror, you know, keep watching. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yes, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, okay, coming back with to OpenAI, that's actually not all. <laughs> this thing that killed half of the market, that's just the beginning. There was one more thing. Um, that one more thing is actually quite cool. Okay. Uh, so... The biggest problem with, with what I just described, that any actions are taken by the backend, they need to write the complex logic with authentication. Now, they introduce Assistant API. Assistant uh, API, uh, OpenAI, and I will try to explain what is that. So Assistant API is effectively programmatic way of creating your own chatbot. So in, in theory, when they first uh, looking at this product, it feels like exactly what I just described, but programmatic. So you can call uh, call a message, get a response, uh, which is true. It's just kind of the same thing, but for programmatic access. But here is a here is a, um, a catch. When when you're using Assistant API, you can tell Assistant that here is the functions 
that uh, my front end have access to. So for example, you can say that uh, my front end have actions to get the list of invites from Google Calendar because on the front end, you actually sign in to the Google Calendar. Okay. Now you're sending chat message and in chat, the assistant knows that you have access to this API. So at any point, it can give you the comment back saying, can you call this action, this, this, this function that you told me? And the chat GPT actually guarantees that when you describe which functions you have access to, when it asks you to call, it will actually comply with your requirements. So you, you, you sending the chat GPT signature. When you say ask you to call, it's like when user chatting with natural language, ask for something? So this is for developers. So imagine that you as a user are saying, uh, can you summarize my day in TLDR? So this okay. request uh, goes to ChatGPT with the list of front-end available functions. ChatGPT mm -hmm. sees the request. It sees this one of the functions that available on the front-end says, list all the name of my day, my events mm -hmm. in the calendar. It sends back command saying to the front-end, execute this command. So the front-end guts now executes on behalf of the user because user in the browser have access mm -hmm. to the Google Calendar, gets data from Google Calendar, go back to, through the assistant API to ChatGPT saying, here is the results. Now ChatGPT has a user question, results of the function, and uh, so mm -hmm. it's so it's similar to plugins, but in plugins ChatGPT calls some backend, and here it uses like a frontend. Is it correct? Uh, kind of, uh, because uh, if we're doing this with a Google Calendar, there is no intermediary service. If we're doing it through the plugin, I as a user have to attach plugin and authenticate on that intermediary yeah, service. That's what I'm saying, right? It should be some something in the middle. Yes, yes, okay, yes. Then, then intermediate yeah. like intermediate it's only because Google Calendar is not connected to ChatGPT. But if I use some other calendar which has a plugin for ChatGPT, but it's still like backend to backend. Uh, but this plugin could be third party. So if someone have native plugin that you trust to mm. that, yes, correct. But it's not a plugin because a plugin mm -hmm. will be but someone and you need to trust that someone. Here it's much simpler. And, and this is just a starting point because you can do actually way more. Example that they show live on the demo, they ask ChatGPT to pinpoint points of interest in some, some city. Okay. And they send to GPT that they have a function of the front end to update Google Maps. So now it sent back text and sent back call to Google Maps update. And in live action on the Google Maps, they pinpointed uh, places on the Google Map in live because ChatGPT sent back how to call that function Google Maps. Mm -hmm. So while the ChatGPT has zero access to your map, uh, it was able to, to call it. And now on the UI, you have this part. So from the perspective of game building or any products like that, that's amazing because you can tell here is a thing that's available to you on the UI, like move my character, character should say blah, character should do blah, and then it will be calling those functions. Yeah, I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so this is amazing thing, and uh, they uh, the, it's not only can call functions, actually can call chains of this, and can say, okay, here is five calls, call this, then that, then that, then that, which which effectively will 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 do the will do the uh, the magic. Uh, let me try to find for at least people who are watching us that specific piece. Okay, so for everyone who's listening us, so this is exactly the thing. Uh, the guy asks, okay, where to go? Uh, and then uh, on this question, uh, the chat GPT not only responds with, with a list of places, it's 
uh, tells your front end to call particular function and now you dynamically have pop up this this item just popped on 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 the screen on the front end and all this done without giving access to chat gpt to to anything uh which which yeah that's the ldr i'm pretty sure we will see tons of the games with that <laughs> it would be interesting yes yes i uh yeah um Go for Actually, it. Mm -hmm. switching to games, if we, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I know. Yes. Um, because I think it's actually a good, um, good connection, or rather, I'm not sure I could what, but um, recently we played with, uh, in Oculus, or rather MetaQuest 2, we played Dungeons of Eternity. And Dungeons of Eternity for me is really good signal that VR games became good games. What I'm saying, because I start VR from playstation vr first one mm -hmm. like not from beginning beginning but i really was like looking at it and checking some games and it was a lot of experimentation and people who played was mostly i would say this games was like most of the games were mostly uh, playable for sake of playing vr they weren't good games in terms of, like feeling mm -hmm. uh, there was some like exceptions like uh, half-life alex right or Beat Saber, uh, but most of the games, while being simple, they also wasn't very satisfying. And Dungeons of Eternity is really interesting case because game gameplay wise, it's very simple game. You go to dungeon with two of your friends, and you hack and slash skeletons, zombies, some wizards. It doesn't have super amazing graphics. It doesn't have some extremely unique mechanics. It's something that you would see in regular games like 15, 20 years ago, even more, right? But for some reason, it feels so good, especially when you play with people, that for me, it's like, okay, now people got the idea how to make proper VR games. I'm pretty sure Dungeons of uh, Dungeon of Eternity is not like a first one, like a good one. There are some other, maybe. But now it looks like it's getting, okay, people finally got how, like the idea how to make good VR game. And it's really exciting for me, because now it actually get me back my trust in VR gaming. Because for me, my meta quest was uh, in the dust for last like half a year or something. <laughs> uh, but you played with me like once for an hour. So what is your take? Like, did you like it or not? Like, what would would you like to play more? Definitely would like to play more. I I loved it. It's so fun. It's just very simple. It's uh, for me. It's almost like a bit saber, but for the proper. I, I wanted to say AAA game, but uh, VR AAA game. <laughs> this is how VR AAA game should be. I want to play more 100%. You know, the closest fun that I had that was not a multiplayer, single player, was um, uh, Resident Evil. They have a remake of Resident Evil available for Quest, uh, which is also fun because you're shooting around, you you using knife to kill people, but uh, still not as fun because this one clearly with friends, um, VR still doesn't have enough uh, good enough graphics for me to get a immersive story. Uh, yes, exactly. But when you play with friends, it's pretty much like playing any like offline game, right? Like you play football with a, you know, you don't have really football feel. You just play football on the grass, and you satisfied with it because you play with uh, with real people with friends. Yeah, this one really really get to uh, to good point. You can play. Uh, another actually for people who like playing uh, MetaQuest or one consider to play but don't have friends or don't have a <laughs> good schedule to play with friends. 
There's actually another game called uh, Broken Sword. It's a PvP dueling game. It's pretty interesting. So the game looks like this. You have a fights with another real person. Wait, wait Broken uh, Edge or Broken Sword? Broken Edge, yes. Oh, broken okay. Edge is correct. Uh, and it's one one versus one. Mm -hmm. uh, you play versus another character and has actually interesting mechanic. Instead of um, completely emulate your movements, mm -hmm. like, you know, in VR you can swing huge sword very fast, which is not really uh, looks like real. And also it doesn't really works well in PvP because everyone just like mashing with these giant swords. Mm -hmm. This game found interesting pattern. You still can swing your sword but it will not charge. To charge your sword, you need to make movements that really corresponds to type of sword you have. Is it like mm. a rear? Is it like a huge, like two-handed sword? Maybe like you have like two small daggers. Mm -hmm. And when you move them in a correct movement, then they start charging and getting even more damages and ability to kill your opponent. Um, and it's really interesting because all, uh, all fights here are very short. It's like maybe five, 10 minutes. Then you get to next person. And it's actually cool to see like random person, you know, like making a bow before start fighting and like making some, uh, you know, like when you have a good hit, they you can clap or something. It's really cool community there. Nice, nice. So you definitely would recommend it. That's that's the LDR, right? Um, so the thing is, I didn't play much of it. I play a few times. I really mm -hmm. like it, but I never get like back to it. So maybe it's it's not that good. But for people who are looking for something like this. It's really interesting concept because I think they they try to find a way to make mm, to make PvP actually interesting in in VR. Got it, got it. Um, yeah, it's it looks interesting, and everything that you said sounds interesting. We should try it, try and play it sometime. Uh, last time yeah. it was three of us. Looks like this requires two people. Yeah, it's uh, only need like two people, so it's dueling. We can try it. Okay, okay. Next time, uh, absolutely, we should add it to the list. Uh, Game-wise, I actually uh, wanted to come back. The only thing that I'm playing these days, which is Alan Wake. <laughs> and, you know, I haven't played anything new, but I have new things to say about Alan Wake 2. Uh, first of all, I recently have learned that this is one of the few games that using pass tracing on the desktop PCs. Obviously, console doesn't support pass tracing, but... First of all, for for our listeners who who don't know, there are two ways how to make games uh, better from the light perspective: um, ray tracing, which is effectively tracing some of the direct paths of lights from the source of lights up to the point where lights hitting the surface. Mm -hmm. And there is a pass tracing. Pass tracing includes many, many additional. First of all, it has more uh, more uh, rays that are tracing from the source of light. In addition, it's also tracing indirect source of lights. So in real life, you have um, a light that uh, indirect, you have something that's that bright, and from that bright object, you will have a light mm -hmm. that's tracking other parts. And uh, it uh, has a noticeable difference. I would highly recommend on YouTube find X-ray versus fast tracing. Obviously, it's not as big wow effect as uh, X-racing created uh, back in the day, but it's noticeable. It's noticeable. Fast tracing, I think, I think, will be the last stop of humanity to making it very look like a real world. And the second thing that uh, now nothing about technical part and gameplay. So I just realized something about the gameplay in the Alan Wake. Do you remember my friend having 
in Alan Wake 1, Control, or any other game, so to speak, you time to time have to find the artifact that will, for example, tell you where to go. In the opening artifacts, you can skip the text, and now it's, you know where to go because it will show in the map place that you need to go because now you learn from the text that key is in that room, and you're going to that room. Okay. So here, <laughs> they actually found a way to force you to read. And <laughs> that sounds awful. That sounds awful, but it's actually quite, 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 uh, um, quite um, immersive, uh, so to speak, and quite engaging. So you have uh, that place in your head, so to speak. There is uh, when you're playing, you can go to your inner thoughts. And inside of your inner thoughts, you have this board where, like any detective, you can place artifacts on the board, connect them with this thread. Uh, you, uh, like, you know, in these movies about detective, where you have a board with tons of the threads between pictures, notes, and stuff like that. And if you found the artifact, notes, that note that says, oh, the key for blah is inside room blah, you need to find on the board a question. Oh, where is the key from something? Then you can understand that this is a node that you just found that maps that question, map it, and only then your character like, oh, now I know where's this key because I just mapped the answer to the question and I will go there. I, I, mm -hmm. I hear there are like some issues with this approach, like someone was trying, he needed to find a heart or something, mm -hmm. and he searched everything on location, doing like a pixel hunting, clicking everything, <laughs> opening everything, and then after like he googled and checked and there was like once you do this stuff the heart appear in the fridge which yes. the person checked like many many times before uh occasionally if you uh you know you have not realized how this works Mm -hmm. uh, yes, you're getting into this into this mod. Uh, I will try to show it meanwhile on the YouTube. But this is occasional. Occasional. So the idea, you after the first or second try, you're realizing that the moment you're finding any artifact, you're opening your inner place and you're trying to see if this artifact gives you a clue or answer on any of the questions that you had. And it's like you know, like with any games, uh, when you're finding something that can be mapped on the board, it will show you the the signal. Oh, you have something that mappable on the board. Click here to directly go there. Just clicking there, go there, mapping, and you've done. So you're doing it mm -hmm. immediately. But the first several times, yes, if you have not paid attention to tutorial and you ignore <laughs> it, you will be in the cases like that. Like what to do? There is no door that suddenly opens. Uh, but overall, I actually think this is extremely fun because you are way more immersed. You just cannot skip at least high-level reading about what's going on and why. You cannot just, you know, walk your way through the map and uh, and have zero reading at all. So from that perspective, kind of love that. Uh, by the way, I cannot cannot keep saying this is probably the most beautiful game I have seen in a while. I I don't remember the game that was as beautiful as Alan Wake. It's it's it is just something. Anyway, that's uh, that was from me about the games. I haven't played anything else. Uh, what are you playing these days, my friend? Nothing really. Um, I still need to finish Baldur's Gate. There is a the Invincible game which waits for me, but I decided okay, I will first finish Baldur's Gate three, and by when time when I finish it, Invincible probably will go to some discount or even free. So I'm trying to play games with a discount these days because like I have so like really huge backlog, mm -hmm. and for me it's just easier because there was like few games that I added like couple of years. I added them in a Steam 
uh, mm-hmm. like as a wish list to play and they were like full price but now just like they go three <laughs> Uh, by the way, uh, oh right, I forgot that you. Um, I was about to say, are you buying any any discs with them? But uh, yeah, I remember no. you have disc less uh, mm-hmm. PS. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Invincible is about the uh, what is, is it's, it? It's a survival so game. It's a Isaac Asimov book, Invincible, and this game is completely related to that. That you same universe, same planet, and actually almost same. St- I don't. I didn't play and I tried to avoid spoilers, mm-hmm. but I think this game shows like a time right before arrival, like Invincible is like a huge ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this game shows either time right after arrival or something oh, right before or right after, but I, I'm not sure. I think it's maybe right before arrival of Invincible. Mm-hmm. But again, I try to not to spoiler, not to look at anything. No, I don't know yet, but I will, I'm really looking forward to play this one. I think uh, people compare it with the Firewatch, like a walking simulator. And for me, it's really a really good uh, sign. I like uh, Firewatch as well. Yeah, I, I actually plus one to that. I love, I, I also liked Firewatch. Um, by the way, I must say, if you like, uh, <laughs> sorry for, uh, it doesn't matter what game we start speaking about, I will go back to Alan Wake 2. Uh, <laughs> Alan Wake 2 is slow burner. What I mean by that, that the first several hours might feels like that. Because you're really literally walking around, uh, talking to the people, doing tons of the walking around in very beautiful mm-hmm. settings, talking to people and then walking around again. <laughs> Uh, it's like just like that people everyone telling me that it's slow burner so it will be way more action later on uh but uh, i'm still waiting that later on uh, and actually sorry let me retract there is two concurrent threads one about alan wake another about fbi agent fbi agent is like that alan wake yes action is usually but fbi agent is walking simulator so far for the first several uh, several hours at least uh, as, uh, as with control following week i just wait when it will be free um, you know, like in a year or two and i will probably play it because i i'm not that um interested in it like to pay for it i'm not a huge fan mm-hmm. but once it gets free i will play it and see okay maybe i'll finish it maybe i'll drop it but i don't want to buy something and then regret that i dropped it uh-huh. uh and um Okay, by the way, we do have uh, several questions, but, uh, you know, I technically I'm not buying it. If you remember, I mentioned that we in the, uh, at work have the special service that, that allowed me to buy stuff. So uh, technically my, my employer buying games for me, which is thank you, my employer <laughs> for that. But otherwise, I probably will be in the same boat. Also, I do like, uh, do have an option to buy the hard copy, which allowed me to resale. I really started liking this idea of buying hard copies because one of the things is you can resale. Um, That's oh. true. Before, before, uh, do you have any other topics before going to a question? No. Because we actually have yeah. a question. Yes, I would like to discuss this question. It's actually interesting. Okay, so let me quickly translate the question. So people are start protesting against artificial intelligence. Uh, actors, especially actors who are doing uh, sound, not the sound, voiceovers, uh, design, uh, AI just writing code, uh, how do you think about future of GPT? Uh, my friend, do you have, uh, do you have an opinion? <laughs> I, also... I, actually, mm-hmm. I actually want to pick one of these. Uh, Go for it's, it. Uh, uh, voice actors. It's actually, um, there are like multiple really bad stories. Um, mm-hmm. One story happens in Russia. 
uh, there was a, a very famous voice of uh, women who make um, a lot of voice advertisement for a big company. I, I don't want to like tell exact names, um, but she has like really memorizable voice and she make like a lot of advertisement for a particular company. And this company actually uh, asks you to sign uh, a contract which says, hey, you've completely dropped all your rights for your voice. And it, it was actually many years ago when there was no AI. And back then what it means is like, hey, whatever you write for us, we just like use it over and over again. And it was actually pretty standard practice, right? Like you make for company like some slogan and they just like go to TV, to radio, you don't really care. So they, they paid you money already. But with AI, what changed? That company actually started reusing your voice to generate new samples. Because initial contracts actually didn't really forbid that. It was like wording wasn't. And the worst part, it's not really that that company overused it. That would be fine. The worst part, this, her data was leaked. And people start using her voice to voice over porno, like voice over other stuff. And that's really, really bad. You know, like it's like someone's voice like goes around and like abused a lot. I think it's really, mm -hmm. really sad situation. Um, and for that, I think what we need, we need laws. Like right now we're in a situation where technology jumps like very fast and uh, um, like companies and lawmakers, they're really slow to, you know, to gather, right? And because people actually go to... Um, protests people try to do like some noise about this i think it slowly it goes to lawmakers and they will try to to do same that they do with anything else right like if you make characters that looks like mickey mouse even if you draw it yourself right like disney will come for you and sue you you may say as may, as much as you can as you want like hey i draw it myself it doesn't really matter if judge sees that your characters completely reminding mickey mouse you will be sued like right it will be I think that same could go to voice actors, right? Is voice actor like using voice and someone abuses voice? Companies can, it still will not like completely prevent harmful usage, uh, but the same way, like no one actually can stop, you know, fun fix, like uh, adult porn fun fix of some characters, right? It's happening. Um, but I think like some laws should be established as like for any other properties. And I think also people now realize when they do voiceovers, they, when they give rise for their faces, for example, they need to make it very clear in contract how this will be used. Yeah, I I agree with you, and there is a huge sad part on that uh, on that note. So a lot of big AI companies recently there was AI safety summit that Elon Musk went to. They are actually advocating for exactly the same thing. Like we need more laws, we need to more government intervention. But the worst part about this that um, honestly can go many many different ways. Um, this probably will mean that small small players will be killed. Yeah. So what mm -hmm. they going to do? They trying like Elon Musk and Open. Uh, they trying to just remove competitors. They try to make laws about AI. Who can do AI? Like yes. How they, I'm saying completely. Like I'm not saying about AI. This has nothing to do with AI. Imagine like someone mm -hmm. collect our voice from podcast mm -hmm. manu manually, completely manually, without any AI, just pick different sounds. And then to make a library of sounds and then start collecting them into words and making like advertisement. Mm -hmm. Right? We should have a right to go and sue this person because they, they like this person using our voice. And if it can be uh, proven that they're using our voice, we can sue them. This, this situation doesn't really include any AI. And AI here are just like a tool they may use. 
true, but the problem here that that rises is the following one. Our voices, uh, unless we will relicense them, and we might think to relicense them, actually can be used for the sake of the training. Because keep in mind, the training is not uh, creating. So you can take our voices, train the model, Absolutely legally, unless we actually will relicense our 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 YouTube videos and podcasts, which we, by the way, need to think about really, really fast how the new license should look like, and start saying this license in the beginning, um, and then that AI technically can generate voice that might be not exactly yours, not exactly mine, but like everyone will. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm saying, right? Like AI here is actually implementation detail. You can train your your neural network mm-hmm. on tons of Mickey Mouses, and then it will give you a picture of Mickey Mouse, mm-hmm. right? Maybe slightly different. Yes. Ju- judge won't dig in, like, did you write it yourself by copying? Was it like, they just judge, does it really look like Mickey Mouse? If it does, you fucked. And the same should be for voicing, right? Like someone training AI on your voice, if output is completely different, they just use, you know, like some non-memorizable uh, like you know patterns like uh, yep. maybe uh, pauses right you can do anything it's pretty much just uh, there's no way to trace it right if what the output remind people of your voice and like if you get like random 10 people from the street and say hey do you really have a hear a difference from these two voices so whoever makes this voice need to either uh, present a person <laughs> with the same voice or they fact and that's how it should be, regardless of AI and non-AI. True, I, I agree with you. Um, the reason why I'm coming back to AI in this question, because I agree, AI, as you rightly put it, AI is just a tool, no question there. The reason why I'm coming back to the AI, if AI is not controlled, and to be honest, I actually don't think there is a way, there is theoretical, you can delay this point, but anyway, if it's not controlled, uh, anyone will be able to retrain this model respectively of the licensing, which means that you just will no ability to stop that. Sure, big companies will not be able to to, to use your voice, but so what? If you would have uh, tons of the open sources that will be using your or mine voice. Yeah, again, it's, it doesn't really, again, I'm making, I'm using uh, free Photoshop, well, not Photoshop, like free imaging editor mm-hmm. and making something. It's about ending, right? Obviously, there will be a situation when someone use your voice or my voice uh, for, you know, for making fun comedy or not fun comedy. And they distribute it on, as a torrent file. We will probably have a hard time chasing them because there is no company. If someone like making business or selling stuff, then there is a legal entity that we can sue. Yes, and everyone's saying uh, moving towards, towards let's regulate the tool because, uh, you know, it's... Uh, if I would be to exaggerate, and this is not the real example, just exaggerating, it's like having ability to build a nuclear bomb at home. It doesn't matter if the law prevents you from doing so. If you have an ability, you have tons of the people who will do it and who will detonate that. So everyone in the AI trying to sell AI exactly this way. If we are not going to stop. Uh, I think it's mm-hmm. very, like it's exaggerating, but it's also incorrect analogy because weapon of mass destruction creates like huge harm to full like whole society right like someone completely not involved but here we're saying okay someone can be harmed by other entities and we need this person to give protection but it's um i can't really came up with a good analogy to this one besides just any other uh legal copies and things oh like uh, you know 
if someone call your parents and pretend to be your, yourself, right, with a voice, without AI, right? Yep. Uh, and making like with a chat, it happens all the time, right, with people. And we came up with protection for this, right? We, we don't ban messengers. Well, some some countries try, <laughs> um, but we don't ban messengers, right? Because someone can pretend to be you for your grandma. Like AI is just next step. And I don't think it's like really um, on the scope, it's comparable to nuclear bomb. That's true. Um, yeah, that's true. And um, okay, I want to touch base a little bit on the other angle of this question because uh, there was a second uh, question, or, or the second part of the question was if the AI will eliminate jobs. And first of all, yes, of course. <laughs> I don't think it's anyone questioning there. AI will eliminate tons of the jobs, and open AI with GPT five uh, will will keep the doing, and then GPT six, and so on, so on, so on. But here is at least my mind model that I have. Um, the people can be, to some extent, grouped on people who decided to be a tool and people who decided to be a problem solver. Tool is the people that usually know, here is my field that I know, uh, and they only grow deeper in that specific field. So um, think about body shop of outsourced the developers. You have to have a very clear task for them with a very clear input outputs, and they will do the code for you. They will do the coding. So those type of people, they were already witnessing uh, more and more of such tools, quote unquote, are actually getting to be eliminated. Where I don't see human be eliminated completely in the f any foreseeable future, at least not in our life uh, lifespan, I hope, is a glue. Uh, this is the people who are solving the problem because to solve the problem you need to understand that you need to 15 sub problems need to be solved that need to be glued together some of this solve uh, some of this problem need to be solved with physical device and uh, you organizing the solution putting them together and, and releasing the product I actually have a different not different like mm -hmm. maybe somehow I don't think it will eliminate jobs and I okay. explain what I mean. Mm -hmm. I think eliminating jobs, it should be some cardinal changes in environment uh, to do this. For example, imagine there are like a, some inner huge lake and people, there are fishermen who go, they catch sea fish and then sell it. Now imagine government or society came there and say, hey, this beautiful lake really harmed by fishermen or fish and we won't, so no fishing will be allowed in this lake for next 50 years. Mm -hmm. So this fishermen, they just like, they don't have any like they have only boats it's only lake in a thousand miles so they have to completely restructure what they're doing and start doing anything else or move to completely different place mm -hmm. so this is eliminating jobs when we're saying like before people have to like uh, put nails with a hammer into wood right and there was like a 10 people now they have like automatic tool to make it faster sure you need less people like, you know, building something, but we just build more, like, like in the housing. And I think the same with the chat GPT, right? There are tasks that we need a lot of people right now to, to do. And then these people will be more effective. We just like start making more of this. Obviously, like there are, could be some borderline, like a small things, like, you know, there are people who solve, solve captures, mm -hmm. literally. But these people don't really, like they do solve captures every day for some small price. Uh, but next they just like switch to something else not so, like not uh, solving captions but instead for example labeling uh, 3d lidar videos with ai it's more complex job it requires more tooling but they just switch to it because it's very similar to what they're doing 
Yes, uh, I actually buy your argument. I agree with your argument, but this here is here is the um, uh, underlying premises that that uh, need to be satisfied, so to speak. So let's have a very simplified example. You have a cloud provider that trains a model, or provide. Actually, you know, let's go simpler. You have a cloud provider that uh, uh, provides you a place where you're running your shop, like Amazon.com. You're selling your things, and in this universe, there is only two shops: shop A, mm-hmm. shop B. Uh, let's assume that uh, ChatGPT uh, automated the development. So you have a body shop of people that used to support this intermediary provider that writing updates both of the shops. Now, suddenly, 90% of the workforce from that place got eliminated. There is no need. So theoretically, they can now support more shops. They can be more productive. They can uh, rehire those 90% and uh, improve the productivity. But you need to have some time for the society to adjust and have more Elon Musks who would be creating more products that would be required and improve workforce. Because if you only have two shops and you suddenly requires... But you see, you, 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 you're getting yeah. this artificial situation with only two shops, right? Yes. There are very few areas on this world where like very specific people work and if like company like NASA is closer than like so many people <laughs> let let go who don't know what to do. Probably not the case. They're probably too smart <laughs> to to be without. But like most of the things they actually replicated around the world. Sure, like salary will be dropped, like income will be dropped, like com- more uh, competition will be there. Um, but having like super drastic changes, at least ChatGPT need to make something something bigger than ChatGPT. Yes, but the reason why I made the, the draw this picture, this is actually what happens in the budget uh, editorial services and the budget um, image creation services. There are tons of the company that lay on people that used to write a bullshit two paragraph articles and a very uh, low quality uh, pictures uh, for the different website. Those people are laid off en masses right now. And this rule of that company now can serve more customers doesn't work because they cannot find more customers. Sure, the people that got laid off, they will create a boots uh, startups. Some of them will be forced to create startups. And eventually they will produce uh, companies that will be placing more orders and hopefully everything will normalize. But what I'm trying to say that this normalization takes years because many of those people will lose a job. They will not have money. And uh, for them, it will be the end, unfortunately. But sure, the next generation will hopefully normalize it faster. Um, that's my point because the amount of orders will not go 10 times bigger overnight. It's just not working like that. But the amount of workforce will be reduced 10 times overnight. And these two two facts will create a huge problem for like, I don't know how many years. It's actually interesting. Like we don't have the statistics and I don't know how to get it. But how actually, how many people doing work that can be replaced with AI, right? Eventually, all of us just go and start building houses. Uh, Elon Musk building robot that can physically do jobs, and eventually that uh, that that one we need to make a lot of for to ban. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I agree. I agree. Yes, uh, yes. Anyway, I think we're more than one hour in. Uh, What Mm -hmm. do you say we stop here and we move to post show and we'll start brainstorming session? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Okay, so let me find the place where I need to click the buttons. Thank you, everyone. We will talk to you same place next week. Bye-bye.